Welcome back, guys, to another episode of The Personal Collection. If you guys remember in first week's episode, David was talking about Rob, how he had one of the best vintage wrestling collections out here. So made sure to reach out to Rob, and he's here today to talk to you guys about him. Hey, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Rob England, and I go by the handle Wrestling Card King. Hey, no problem. So predominantly, I heard you collected a lot of vintage wrestling. Is there a specific era that you collect? I collect just when sports cards first started coming out. So that includes the 1887 Allen and Ginter. There are seven wrestlers in that set. That is followed up by an 1888 set of Allen and Ginter. And there's also Goodwins from around that era, also Kimballs from that era, and some other cards that are just about impossible to find where we're talking about one copy of each card or some cards have never ever been graded. And those are the SF Hess cards from 1889. So I've been after those cards for a couple decades. I'm lucky to have maybe about nine of them, but there's still about six of them out there that I've never been able to even see. So those, those are the elusive ones. So I hope you brought find up those. I would love to hear from you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm always looking out for stuff, so I'll put them on my list. I hope you can show some of those a little bit later on because I haven't heard of that set before. So is Ginter then the first set that they ended up having wrestling cards in, or was there a few other oddballs before Pretty that? much, unless you're really getting into some oddball cabinet cards, which some of the grading companies also will slab. Yeah. Then the first pretty much well-known, well-produced are the 1887 Allen and Ginter. Now, who are the big names in that set for the Ginters? You know, you have to be quite the historian to really know as far as the biggest names. The, the one that I consider to be the biggest name is William Muldoon, and he's in the Wrestling Hall of Fame. He's also in the Boxing Hall of Fame, and he was a commissioner in New York for, their, for boxing. Okay. Now, one thing I've noticed, at least with like old boxing, it's kind of like a mixture of both wrestling and modern boxing today. Do you dive into that as well? Or do you just focus strictly on the wrestling side of things? I'm pretty much into the wrestling side of things. One of the things that I did do, and at first I was having to do a lot of research and I collected all the wrestlers out of the 1908 Ogden's Pugilists and Wrestlers. That's a great set. And so I went ahead and just got that complete set graded. So you know, I have all of the boxers from that era, and that was actually produced over multiple years. So series two came out in 1909, and there were some duplicates of cards 26 through 50 with the white backs versus the cream backs. And I'll tell you, that's a real tough distinction. Really? And I didn't so, even know about that. So they have white and cream backs. Hold on. Yes. I got to get mine out. I have, uh, hold on, let's see. Yeah, it's so tough to tell. And so what card number is Sam Langford now? It's 73. 73. So that one, that one is actually, that should be a white back. Okay, maybe it was just with the lighting. Yeah. So yeah, I have the Langford in that set. I'm still looking for the Jack Johnson. I want to get that one as well. And then I have, who else do I have in that set? I have Gans or Gans, I think it's Gans. Joe um, Gans. Yeah, Gans. Who else is in that set that I have? There's a few others. There's like three or four that I have, but not all on me, but this is my favorite. I picked it up at the national and I was super happy. I was looking for it for a little bit. 
Yeah, the high numbers are definitely harder to attain than the low numbers. So Frank Gotch, Jack Johnson, they're, they're of course, if people have a Jack Johnson, they know who he is. Yeah, I, I, and it's going to bring a premium. Uh, I keep trying and every time I try bidding on them, they just keep going higher. I just need to pull the trigger one day or maybe look out at a card show and get one. So I have his Mecca's from a uh, 10 and I also have one of the Caramels, which some grading companies say is 09, similar to saying a 10. I don't know for sure. I think it's more of a 1910 release, uh, but don't have that yet. The American Caramels? Yeah. No, he has yeah. two different ones. I think it's the E76. The E76. Okay. I think that's which one it was. I know he has two of them. I have to double check. But the ones that are tough to find are of uh, Gotch and Hackenschmidt. Hackenschmidt, yeah. American yep. Caramel series. As I, well. I, I remember that name from doing some research in Gotch as well. A little, obviously, there's so much to learn with all the different names, different eras, and everything like that. But I'm trying to pick off a few names every once in a while, find some of their cards, and just add it to the collection. But that, well, if you're you know, into wrestling, you, you'll soon know who Frank Gotch and George Hackenschmidt are. They met in Comiskey Park in 1911. Mm -hmm. And there were 30,000 fans in attendance for their Labor Day rematch. And really, Frank Gotch is known as the guy that really spurred wrestling in America for both pro and amateur. He was, he was an Iowa farm boy. He was trained by farmer, farmer Burns. And so Iowa City, Iowa is kind of known as the mecca of amateur wrestling but it also spurred um, pro wrestling within the United States as well, because George Hackenschmidt was known as the world champion and Frank Gotch upset him in 1908 and had an undefeated championship run for five years until his retirement and then poor health, et cetera. So both of those rookies are then in that Ogden set, technically? It is, yes. Cool. Although... It, that doesn't necessarily mean the most expensive card because they're more plentiful. So an American Caramel, Hackenschmidt, or Gotch is more of a premium card than the Ogden. Due is to that because they're lower numbers, right? I'm guessing. Lower numbers as far as in the Ogden set? Yeah, were they, were they lower or the higher numbers? Hackenschmidt was a low number and Gotch was a high number. Okay. One of the, one of the cool things that I have, and I'll just go ahead and show you. Yeah, go ahead. Talking. So this is a ticket stub of Gotch and Hackenschmidt when they met in Comiskey Park in 1911. Wow. And this is the only one that I've ever seen. And to me, this is the birth of wrestling in America. Of course, there was wrestling prior, you know, with carnivals, et cetera. And these matches would take Nothing place. Like these little barnstorming tours that would happen. But as far as going mainstream, filling up a stadium, th those guys were the ones that did it. Okay. Now, how long have you been going after this wrestling collection? It seems like, I think you said, what, a few decades or something like that? How did you eventually get into it? Um, kind of go about the story a little bit. So I come from a family of wrestlers, high school wrestlers and was involved in a real successful high school program. My senior year, we were, we finished off 13 league championship titles in a row. And so I've always just had a love for wrestling and I had older cousins that competed on those teams and got into coaching myself. So I really come from an amateur 
background and so I collected some amateur cards when they would come up from Olympic sets. I remember getting a Dan Gable Greatest Olympians card out of a box of cereal in 1983. And I thought that was super exciting. And once eBay hit, one of the things that I thought was, oh, I'll just go collect the wrestling cards that are out there. And it can't be that much because I'm thinking that there were so few of them. And what eBay taught me and what the internet taught me and took me by surprise is that the world's a much smaller place and there's a lot more available than what I ever thought. So it opened up markets from overseas and just, you know, my knowledge base increased so much with those Ogden sets that we're talking about and some of those tobacco issues from you know, the 19th century and even early 20th century material. And I just kind of took off from there. And originally I was just kind of going after amateur cards, but a lot of the old pro wrestlers had amateur backgrounds. And so I just, just decided to collect it all and just start going head first and really liking the vintage stuff and you know, even going through the wrestling all-stars and realizing some of those guys were really badass wrestlers. The Iron Cheek was a national champion in Greco-Roman and Jack Briscoe was a national champion as well. So, and then too, just really enjoying the Americana of the guys that weren't into amateur wrestling like Andre and Hulk and the guys that I watched on the main event on NBC as well. What was that? What was your first uh, vintage card that got you into that side of things? Vintage cards. It's really hard for me to remember exactly. I do remember the 1887 Allen and Ginters being exciting just because it's a card from 1887. And I did bring one of those. And this is uh, John McMahon, which no relation to Vince Sr. and <laughs> Jr., but it's kind of neat to have a pro wrestler with the last name of McMahon. And now with this being a 134 year old card in a PSA eight condition, it's truly incredible. Now is that the highest one graded, I assume? You know, there has been some nines from some of those. This, I think it is a top pop for this one though. Yeah, it just, and eventually I'd like to get all of mine in eights, which is really challenging. I have my Muldoon in an eight and my other five are all PSA sevens. Still, even at sevens, you can't really complain about that. I mean, no, it's pretty incredible because people are happy. Too, or they've been mounted into albums. So yeah, so many of them that you find also with the Ginters is that people trimmed off the cigarettes at the bottom of it. So you have like three-fourths of a card and then obviously the scrapbook's really really tough because you get all the glue on the back could look great on the front and you turn over the card and go dang it's so bad because of that. well let's put it this way a lot could happen in 134 <laughs> years to the condition of a card oh 100 i mean you would never have thought 134 years like a card would continue to be worth money no one really collected it for the valuable side of things everyone just thought they were cool advertisements and the junk collectors back then were the ones that were keeping it it wasn't like People were fully trying to get every single thing like today. I couldn't even imagine the era of 1887 and the preservation of a trading card or a tobacco card that came in tobacco products. And yeah, no top loaders back then as well. So that just 
the fact that you can find that type of stuff in eights and nines is incredible. So how about you kind of show off a few of the cards in your collection and some of the backstories behind either the wrestler or like how you acquired the card. Another neat set that I really enjoy are the 1952 Al Haft. And this is Buddy Rogers, the original nature boy before Ric Flair. And this is a PSA nine. Wow. So if you think about that, what are we at there? Um, doing my math here. 48, 69 year old card in, in mint condition. Nice. Superstar wrestler. I've looked up some of those on eBay. They don't come up often. They really don't. Those are really tough. Some of the best cards that I have are the 1954 Parker sets. And now, with that Parkhurst, was that only in Canada or are they also produced in the United States? Because I know they did Parkhurst uh, hockey cards. They were produced in Canada. And that's something that I've been working on for just about 20 years. And one of my highlights for that is I have 71 out of the 75 in the top possible grade. <sighs> wow. Which ones are you missing? <laughs> There's a Luthez out there. I have a seven, there's an eight. There's another one that I'm about a half a point away. My George Scott is one point away and Roberto Pico, I'm one point away. I have a seven and there's an eight. But I think fives and sixes are really good for those. I think I have a Thez that's raw. I'd have to check my collection, but I picked them up a decent while ago. I know one guy that has an upgrade, but he's not handing yeah. that over. That's holding it hostage. <laughs> I mean, that's tough with that type of stuff. I mean, I'm guessing you're on the PSA registry getting all that, trying to get that updated, right? Yeah. And I've had a maybe 10 years as the top set, a decade. Wow. With that 1954 set. That's incredible, man. There, there's always something to chase. There's four cards for me to chase. I know you'll get them one day. Then I, I'm hoping. Best I'm hoping. But I also like some obscure stuff and kind of getting a little bit more into the modern era. And one of the things that I've been really successful at is getting cards recognized for the first time by grading companies. And this was years ago, and I found it in a 1972 Gong magazine. But it's really Andre the Giant's first appearance on a collectible where he was Monster Rusimov. So it's a little bit of an oversized item, as you can see. Yeah. And I got SGC to recognize this card, but it's from 1972 of Andre. So how does that work with the recognizing the cards? Because I'm in a, I'm in a cricket community and a lot of people are, are trying to get stuff submitted right now to PSA or SGC and they're rejecting it just because they don't have the knowledge of those stuff. So how did that process work out getting that authenticated? Generally, there needs to be some sort of database that recognizes the full checklist or being able to provide a full checklist to the grading company. So I've been fortunate enough for the wrestling card community there's xtitles.com, Steve Timke out of Santa Rosa. I've provided a lot of information to him and he's been able to update that online website. In addition to wrestlingtradingcards.com. I know that doesn't really help you as far as cricket goes, but just getting but that's how I've been able to get some of the wrestling cards through. And of course I'm 
always going to be honest in those assessments with the checklist and the background information, but I end up doing a lot of that homework myself. I think that's really cool getting that stuff. And I'm guessing that's obviously a pop one then, or as other people ended up submitting it after. Last I checked. And to be honest, I'm a real PSA guy and I don't really check the SGC pop reports, but the last I had seen it, it was, yes. Yeah, that's so cool. I really love Andre. He's kind of my, my guy as far as pro wrestlers go, which leads to, to the 1973 annual. So this is a 48 year old card and oh it's the first card that PSA recognizes. And this is a 10 out of 10 for Andre. Black border too, right? What's that? Is that a black border around the card? It is. And it actually came out of a magazine as far as photo cards and it says collect them all as far as wallet size. So it's a hand cut collectible, which, you know, and it has like a little biography of Andre in the back. That's cool. But it is recognized as a hand cut. So not pack issued, which there are some collectors that may be dismissive of a collectible if it's hand cut. But with wrestling, sometimes there's so few items of a guy released. I think we need to just be accepting of yeah. what's out there, period. That's what I'm like, because if you even go back to pre-war side of things, I mean, kind of showed these earlier, but there's so many different sets that were all hand cut and came out of sheets like that. And then on top of it, if you look at like Cassius Clay's rookie card or whatever PSA uh, qualifies, it was also cut out of, a, I think it was a magazine as well. His, uh, the Swedish card, magazine. Yeah, and then he has the then he has the Swedish one as well. I think what Swedish record or something like that. It's in, and that's nineteen sixty two. Yep, and then he has like the I think it's like a stamp or something like that in sixty four. He has a lot of stamps that came out too in the sixties and seventies. He does. That, well. that's, a, that's one thing I found interesting when diving into his cards. Um, a lot more people submitted stamps compared to uh, whether it's a trading card. I know he's a Panini sticker, which is super popular among a lot of people, but he had quite a few cards before that for magazines. Yeah. And if you really want pack issued cards of Andre, here's another one as far as Yamakatsu from Japan. So that's a PSA nine, which I really consider this one to be the rookie, even though there were two separate cards of Andre released in this set. This is from Japan from the same set, 1974 Yamakatsu. So these were pack issued of Andre. So Andre is a real good example of why rookie card doesn't mean anything when it comes to wrestling. Because by the true definition, that would be pack issued by a major brand. And so you would go all the way to 1987 tops and consider that Andre's rookie card, which just from yeah. here, I showed you a collectible from 1972, 73, couple pack issued from 74. He has some Minkos. He has some other pack issued from Japan in 1978. His Amadas, his wrestling all-stars, other I Japanese. Say, I, I've, seen, I've seen the wrestling all-stars quite a fit on uh, quite a few times on Twitter and 
social media all the time. So those were were they came from directly from like a factory. Then they weren't full in packs. They can't. You bought the yeah. Set. It was a mom and pop shop, really, with cello packs that they sold as a set through mail order. And it was and two sets, right? In the United States, so to me, that could meet the definition of a rookie in reality. If you didn't want to go with an overseas issue. It was two series, right, with that one, or is it just a one release? Well, Wrestling All-Stars had Series A in 1982. They had Series B in 1982, and then they had 1983. So there's three series in totality with 108 cards. Hmm, I didn't know about the third series. So with PSA and SGC, do they label 83 as well, or is it always 82 on that? They, they do label the 83s as 83. Okay, I need to definitely do some research on that side of things. Yeah, there's a Kurt Hennig rookie in there. Let me see. Of course, since we're mentioning all stars, I'll show a few of those off. Let's see. Of course, the Hulk. The Hulk. Is that his first time on a card, or does he have a card before that? Okay, we'll get to that because okay, I'm a I'm lover of the Hulk Hogan Poppy rookie from Japan. But this card's pretty epic in that it's signed in a PSA 8. It says a pop 3, but I believe it's to be a pop 1. The guy had some Hulks in PSA 9, and he cracked them out and hoping to get them signed and re-slabbed as PSA 9s. And his first attempt, they were PSA 8s. And then he tried to get them graded again, and they were minimum size. Ouch. So that's a pretty tough gamble for that <laughs> collector. So I really believe my Hulk PSA 8 signed as a pop one. And the PSA 9 used to be my old PSA 9 that I had sold. And the guy cracked it out, got the Hulk to sign it, and he got the nine grade again, which would be one of my bigger mistakes is that this is early on in my grading days, and I bought an 82A set for about 60 bucks, got the Hulk graded, got a nine, and I sold the PSA 9 Hulk for $135. Oh, oh man. So that's tough. Now, how long ago was that, though? Oh, uh, it was like 2007. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you can't really predict 14 years out, but still, I mean, that's tough. You really can't. But I have a lot of good stuff and it's just been, you know, part of my journey. Um, right here, another Ric Flair rookie. And that's a PSA 8 signed. Of course, these didn't come from the factory signed. And so I really believe that the wrestling all-stars are more prone to, to damage. They're not quite as sturdy as the standard trading card. So to, to get them in a PSA 8, is a really good grade. And especially if you're giving them to these the guys the sign. That's the tough part about it. Giving them to these guys who could really manhandle them. I know that Deepak, and he's always giving me props on all these shows that he attends, but he was saying that he had given Hulk his trading card to sign. And he said his thumb just pressed into the card oh, and man. creased his all-star, which Hulk is very much aware of the value of his collectibles now and i really don't think he'll do that but at that time 
he, he didn't yeah, treat yeah. them as they needed to be treated. So I know it was just a little bit ago that you had mentioned the Hulk and if that was his first trading card on the Wrestling All-Stars. And this is a card that I'm really pumped about. But I think sometimes with collectibles, they could be so rare that it doesn't really captivate the imagination of collectors because it's just so tough to find. But I try to let people know about this card because I think it's truly special. And it's the Hulk Hogan, it says Kajiwara on there. But what this is, is that there was a Hulk Hogan figure card or a figure from Japan. And this is the header card. And for unknown reasons, Hulk is a short print. Maybe it had to do with some of the licensing agreements where Vern Gagne wanted some of that money and pulled that from the Japanese manufacturers. But I only know of less than 15 of these 1981 Hulk Hogan poppy cards is what they're commonly known as. There have been only eight of them total graded on the PSA pop report. And I'm the owner of four of them. <laughs> so I have half the pop report of the PSA Hulks from 1981. Wow. And you have this battle of figure collectors with card collectors. And some of the guys I know, I know of two guys that have the Hulk Hogan figure with the header card, but they would have to be insane to rip open the packaging to get to the card. The figures so in some ways, out. those cards are inaccessible. Yeah. So David Peck has one that he had a Hulk sign, which I think is an amazing collectible. And one of my other buddies has one as well. That's so they're they're really epic. And through work this spring is I had a low grade Hogan poppy and I extended my work vacation an extra day and I drove over to Clearwater, made a deal with Ron with a, a bunch of Hulks that I had. I had 16 of them. He had called Hulk and he was going to just run down to Hulk's house and have him sign my cards. And he was off doing some chores with his wife and said he was a little busy right there. And I just had to make a decision. And I had a couple poppies there. I had some of his Scanlons from 1986 that are really rare. I didn't even have any of his tops, but some rare Japanese cards it had a lot of value. And so I had to make a decision and I decided that I'm just gonna leave them there with the shop owner and in the next day or two hulk will sign them i paid for the autographs and they got sent to me a few days later and fedexed overnight and they arrived and i was really fortunate because i really believe and i got two of them signed of these poppies that this 1981 hulk that is extremely tough to find is autographed by him Awesome. And I believe that I have the only two. I've never seen this card autographed otherwise. 
what was really neat is I, of course, struck up a conversation with the beat shop owner, Ron, and talking about the poppies and how rare they are. And I was looking at Holt's Facebook and he, he was off on an adventure going to his storage unit and Ron and Hulk were having this dialogue and saying that they, they had to go into his storage unit and looking for one of those rare poppy cards. We will find one of those really, really rare Hulk Hogan rookie cards. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Let's go find one of those poppy cards. Poppy cards. Yeah, all right. So to hear those words utter out of Hulk's mouth, go find one of those rare poppy cards. And, and Ron just echoed it back and I'll, get I'll one of those poppy cards and i don't think they were successful i really don't i'm just going to give a shout out to uh sure really the the guy that makes collecting fun for me and as far as my love for amateur wrestling and that's dan gable and this is a 1972 olympic card from italy at panini celebrating the munich games and this was prior to 1972 Munich. And I discovered this card many years ago and was super excited to have discovered it. And I was able to show that card to Dan Gable. He's someone that collects his own cards. He, he signed it for me at the NCAAs years ago. And one time I put it up on eBay and I said how Gable didn't even know this card existed. And his daughter had messaged me and lost out on winning it. Oh. And she said, you know, you were really right. And that my dad didn't know that this, um, or that my dad didn't own this card. And I had corresponded with Dan Gable as far as getting some of my stuff signed with self-addressed stamped envelopes. And he signed some stuff for me. And in one of my letters to him, I said, you know, when I go to the NCAAs and I see you, because he usually always had sat at a memorabilia booth, I'll give you one of, you know, your rookie cards. And so I was able to do that for really my hero and a, a guy that collected his own collectibles. And so that was a real honor. And he's always treated me well with all the autographs he's given throughout the years, too. That was a great gesture. I mean, I'm sure he really appreciates it. Yeah, now I'm kind of wondering how high of a grade that card was that I gave him, but uh, PSA you know, 10. <laughs> I, <laughs> I hope not, but uh, <laughs> I, I know it's going to stay in the Gable household for many, many years. So that's all that matters. Yeah. Hey, Rob, I, I really appreciate it. You're sharing the history and part of your card collection as well. So, one last time, where can people check you out on with your Twitter? And then if you have an Instagram as well. So I have an Instagram as well, but I don't put a lot of my card stuff like a lot of the card guys do, but I'm Rob England 26 if you just want to connect with me there. But the real account for social media where I post my wrestling cards is wrestling card K1 and I'm wrestling card king on Twitter and trying to push that and not even put any of my personal stuff and making that my wrestling card king account. So hopefully you guys could give me a follow and bump that up and I'll keep producing content the best I can.